All problems are unsolvable. The essence of the existence of a problem is that there is no solution. Looking for a fact means there is no fact. To think is not to know how to be. This is The Stranger, the podcast of migrants and morally dubious thoughts. When you think of dying, tell me, how do you envision what follows? A life where I will remember all of this. I'm sick and tired, monsieur. Leave me. Time is precious now. I shall pray for you then. I don't want you to pray for me. You are so certain about everything. Not one of your certainties is worth a single strand of a woman's hair. You're not even sure if you're alive because you act like a dead man. And I, <laughs> it looks like I have nothing. But I am sure of what I am. Sure of everything. Sure of my life and now even my death. I only know that. It's 1967 when Lucchino Visconti brings The Stranger to the cinemas, starring Marcello Mastroianni. What you just heard is an excerpt. The movie is based on a famous novel written in 1942 by Albert Camus, who would win Nobel Prize in Literature two years later. Born in Mondovi, French Algeria, Camus is by all means impersonating the very idea of an outsider. He's a pied noir, coming from a poor family of French colognes in northern Africa. On one side, he doesn't entirely belong to Maghreb, on the other, Europeans look at him with some ineradicable suspect. He grows into a world that is completely bought into the idea of historicism, the belief that social phenomena all exist because of a specific unfolding of history, a meaning. These are times where thought leaders are building the foundations of an unscrupulous use of word spirit, the zeitgeist, the spirit of age, the Volksgeist, the national spirit, the Weltgeist, the world spirit, all concepts that suggest a notion of an invisible, intangible agent that influences time human communities, and ultimately, lives. But that completely baffles me. Do you believe in the almighty God? No. Why, that's impossible. There isn't a single man on Earth who doesn't. No man who doesn't at least acknowledge he exists. If I had any doubts at all, my whole life would have no meaning. Do you want my life to be senseless? It doesn't matter to me. It's 1942. Europe carnage is roaring in the streets of the continent. World War II is burning everywhere. Camus sets himself as a stranger of his own times. He challenges the idea of putting history at the center of human discussion. He feels the danger of accepting the concept of a geist as a driving factor of human vicissitudes because it is a way to justify the horror in the name of a mission, whatever that represents. Now, what is the sense of a mission? The mission of a country, the mission of a company, of a division, the mission of a team, the mission of a life. Mission is primarily providing an apparently random sequence of actions with a meaning, capturing a chain of future or past events into the framework of a clear design. Camus refuses any mission. He rather prefers to accept the absurdity of life, that he has completely drained of any possible meaning. A senseless life is a burden to bring with levity. We must imagine Sisyphus laughing, he would write in his famous The Myth of Sisyphus, in the same year, turning the torture of the mythological Greek giant into a titanic and human rebellion. There is no meaning to be found in the everyday pain of existence, and we should drop this idea altogether, embracing its inherent enigmatic nature. 
life is absorbed, but we can still make it in our effort to become strangers of life and strangers of ourselves. In fact, experiencing this absurdity make us individuals, but in the decisions of being rebellious against life itself, such experience becomes collective. In absurdist experience, suffering is individual, but from the moment when a movement of rebellion begins, suffering is seen as a collective experience. Therefore, the first progressive step for a mind overwhelmed by the strangeness of things is to realize that this feeling of strangeness is shared with all men, and that human reality in its entirety suffers from the distance which separates it from the rest of the universe. The malady experienced by a single man becomes a mass plague. In our daily trials, rebellion plays the same role as does the cogito in the realm of thought. It is the first piece of evidence, but this evidence lures the individual from his solitude. It founds its first value on the whole human race. I rebel, therefore we exist. The Rebel, Albert Camus, 1956. So, is a mission always to be considered as a threat? Probably not, as long as at a meta-level, its function is correctly acknowledged. A community, aiming at a goal, needs a leap of faith, a trick of mind to identify and share a common direction so that single individuals can contribute to control the direction of something they are just part of. The nature of the mission, therefore, is the game. Camus himself used to play football as a goalkeeper, and once said, after many years during which I saw many things, what I know most surely about morality and the duty of man, I owe to sport and learn it from football. And what is a mission if not morality and duty of man? A mission needs a strategy, a strategy needs alignment. Alignment needs actions that are therefore justified by some sort of agreed greater good. It's all about the greater good and how good it actually is, how much each and every person allows himself to be tricked. And it's mostly about knowing that people do not serve a mission. Each and every mission is made up and crafted by humans to serve other humans. Let's take a look at The Office, a famous American mockumentary sitcom television series based on a series broadcasted by BBC and created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, then adapted to American television by Greg Daniels. The plot is rather simple. It's about the professional life of the Scranton, Pennsylvania office of the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Steve Carell stars as Michael Scott, regional manager of the branch. Rather ignorant, fairly dumb, gifted with quite weak sense of humor, Michael is one of the best salesmen of the company. He allegedly wrote a book about managers named Somehow I Manage. Rain Wilson portrays Dwight Schrute, salesman and assistant to the regional manager, fairly sociopathic but definitely a successful salesman. John Krasinski portrays Jim Halpert, brilliant and good-looking salesman, famous for his pranks to Mr. Shute. What we will listen to is a part of its episode 17 of the second season, titled Dwight's Speech. After being named Salesman of the Year, Dwight is invited to speak at the salesman convention and must confront his fear of public speaking. Jim uses the opportunity to prepare a joke and provide the colleague with some fake advices on how to handle this. You know, I majored in public speaking in college. You did? Mm-hmm. The first thing that they teach you is that you've got to be true to yourself. And you are all about authority. Yes, I am. The great speakers throughout history. 
who were not joke tellers. They were people of passion. So if you want to do well today, you got to do what they did. Which is? You've got to wave your arms and you've got to pound your fists many times. So as to emphasize your point. The prank is quickly revealed to the audience. Jim has done an interesting piece of work helping Dwight with his speech. Okay, I didn't actually major in public speaking, but I did download speeches from some of history's famous dictators, like this one, originally given by Benito Mussolini. Okay, look, I know you're giving this speech on your own, but I wrote up a few talking points for you to take a look at. Hope you don't mind. I'll glance at it. Dwight will head to the conference center, will have a hard time to get on stage, but after managing to keep himself together, he delivers the speech. Well, a patchwork of speeches, in fact, of various historical famous and infamous political leaders, just adopting them a little and giving them some work context. Next, I'd like to introduce the Dunder Mifflin Salesman of the Year, Dwight Schrute. Blood alone moves the wheels of history! Have you ever asked yourselves in an hour of meditation, which everyone finds during the day, how long we have been striving for greatness? Not only the years we've been at war, the war of work. It is a privilege to fight! We are warriors! I say, salesmen and women of the world, unite. We must never acquiesce, for it is together, together that we prevail. We must never cede control of the motherland, for it is together. The net effect is hilarious. The context switches, the similarities are topical. Speeches from leaders can be decontextualized and reused, can overlap in a quite comical, still rather awkward way. Because ultimately each leader, in the past, in the present, in the future, is thriving on a mission. The series once more shows how dumb and dangerous a mission can be when it is delivered as an absolute must, when it does not consider failure as an option, and above all, when people do not receive it and handle it for what it is. An ingenious, smart, necessary trick to develop and move on. In a word, to play hard in your life. And that's the key. Playing. In order to succeed in a balanced way, winning, setting aside possible aberrations, a mission needs strangers that are committed to it. Strangers are those people that accept the challenge as a trick, that are ready to play, to be full to the extent that is necessary to achieve something that ultimately is not a final goal, but it's what produces the pleasure of feeling the achievement itself. The generosity of a human being is in the present, in what they can feel as single individuals and as a part of a team. Speaking of play, Carlo Ancelotti is one of the most successful football players and football coaches in the history of this sport. He managed to win Champions League finals both as player and as team coach. Lately, in a Champions League semi-final, Real Madrid, the team he is leading, has managed to accomplish an historical comeback against Manchester City. 
In the last three minutes of the game, that was lost at that point, home in the Spanish capital city, his players managed to score two goals, to go extra time and eventually win the game, in an unprecedented and incredible set of events. Interviewed after the game, Ancelotti was asked an interesting question. Did you even think that you'd lost the game? Did, was there a moment there towards no, the end? I, I, no, no. I, I have no time to think about this. Uh, I think it was difficult in that period. I think that that, that moment uh, Man City had a good control of the game, but uh, at the last opportunity we were able to, to go to the extra time. No time to think about being defeated. No time to think about failure. That's the essence of a mission. The days it produces, the sense of losing connection with reality, the above-mentioned leap of faith is what a leader leaves and channels to his team. And then, as a stranger to his feelings, he is capable of releasing this trick of mind and come back to himself, to reality, and answer logical questions to a logical interview. It's this swing between illusion and reality that a leader needs to prepare the team to the future while using his managerial skills to handle the past. In one of his books, Quiet Leadership, Winning Hearts, Minds and Matches, Carlo Ancelotti writes at chapter 4, titled Talent. It is important to try to recruit people who have the same ideas as you about behavior and professionalism, people who share your beliefs and who share the values of the organization they're joining. This is why it is vital for that responsibility and direction to be held by the president and his senior team. It is still vital to respect the vision of the owners. Perez, the president of Real Madrid, was well known for his Galacticos approach, where the biggest and most expensive superstars in world football are recruited, so players would arrive and depart who would not necessarily have been my choice, but it was my job to make the team work with whatever assets I was given. It is a waste of time and energy to fight against something that has already happened. You must manage it. After all, that is why we are called managers. This is The Stranger, the podcast of migrants and morally dubious thoughts. 